0: Two years ago, we started on a pretty ambitious project. Um, we uh, started a devoted initiative where we asked people, "Hey, if you would devote uh, time and resources toward this, we're gonna—we feel like God's leading us to put up a permanent facility here in the Prattville area." That project is coming right along. In fact, we hope to be in there by Christmas. That's where we hope to be. And What you have inside of you if, you, if I could ask you to do this, to take this in your hand, there's a card that we're going to ask you to pray about for the next couple of weeks. Two weeks from now, on October 3rd, we're going to ask you to be here and, if you wouldn't mind, turning this in. Um, and It's just a simple card that reminds us that we're devoted to whatever God has for us. He's opened the door to give us a, an amazing piece of property. He's opened the door to give us uh, incredible volunteers, and all kinds of ministry opportunities for the future are just around the corner. And so um, today I want to talk to you about what it says on the front cover here that we're devoted to Christ, to his church, and to his mission. Last week we talked about what it meant to be devoted to Christ because at this new facility. We're going to talk about Christ all the time. We're also going to use this facility to help build up the church. And today I want to talk with you about what that means Um, because church is a word that we don't always understand. To tell you on the positive side of it, Um, Some things that I've heard just recently, I was, uh, man, I was uh, asked by a family to assist with a funeral for a loved one, uh, get to the home after the funeral's over, there's this big spread of food and uh, all the people there are going, where did all this food come from? Well, this is from my connect group at our church. And they go, well, that's amazing. And then there were other people who brought flowers and they sent cards and gifts. And some of the people said afterwards, like, man, our church my family, a lot of family, there, some of my family members, they're not involved in church. They're not Christians. This just blew them away. There were other people this last week who donated, some of you donated a whole bunch of snack bags. We took them down to Mercy House, a, a ministry on the west side of Montgomery, the, and they're going to give them out to people who don't have enough to eat. And we were able to bring those all down there. And some of you commented on Facebook how thrilled you were that our church was doing this. The people down there are thrilled. And I love it when our church is working together. And so it's pretty easy to understand, hey, when Christians are working together, that's, that's part of the church to help people. But then there's other times when we get confused about the church, and it just happened the other day too, and with this new facility coming up, and this is my favorite conversation to have with people, uh, a guy came up and said, well, when did you all start building your church? I said, 12 years ago. And they went, well, who's your contractor? That's taking forever. Oh, our contractor's Jesus Christ. That's who's working on it. And he goes, no, no, I'm in the building. Oh, the building, okay. Because I want you to take this card because on the front of it is this picture of this facility that we're putting up over here in Prattville. I want you to hold it and put your finger on it and then I'm gonna ask you to repeat something after me. This is a building, we're the church. And Let that sink in. This is a building, we're the church. If you agree with that, I want you to say that out loud with me, please. This is a building. We're the church. And if you want to talk about that, we are putting up a facility here that's going to allow us to do more ministry than we've ever had, to tell more people about Jesus than we've ever done, to send more people into mission than we've ever been able to do before. But that's just a facility. We're the church. And today, I want to talk with you about what that means. And just like last week, prepare to be encouraged. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, we are your church. Lord, we use facilities. I'm grateful for this facility that we're renting right now, we're in right now. I'm grateful for chairs to sit on, lights that we can see, a roof over our head when it's raining outside, air conditioning. I'm grateful for all of it. But Lord, the building's not the church. We're the church. And today, Lord, I pray that you'd remind us of that, straight out of your word. I thank you for your word, Lord. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice, and it guides us in how to practice our faith together as the church. So, Lord, say whatever you want to say to us. Remind us of some things that are terribly important. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here are a couple of important definitions. When we say we're devoted to church, well, devoted means 100% engaged. In fact, on the backside of this commitment card, that's what it means. And for those of you who are watching online, you could go to our website and you'll find a card just like that on, at centeringlives.com. But the whole idea of 100% engagement means that I'm, I'm in. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of a, of a family, of a, of a spiritual family where uh, we're helping people who don't have enough to eat. I want to be a part of a church where people help me when a loved one in my family dies and I can help somebody else when a loved one in their family dies. That seems like a good idea. If those things seem like a good idea, well there's a lot more to it than that, but that's a good start. But in our culture, we need to define some things. We need to remind ourselves that church in the New Testament, there was a word for it. It was ekklesia. That's ancient Greek, and it was a church, it's a word that simply means group, like a group of Christians. And so when you have a group of Christians together, it could be a small group meeting in a house, could be a group of people out on a missions project, could be a large group of us gathering for worship, but a group of Christians, that's what it's talking about. Now, in our culture today, sometimes church is redefined in some other ways, or we, we've in common vernacular, it can also refer to a building or a worship service or a denomination. I mean, when the person was asking me how long you've been building your church, they were talking about the building where we meet. I mean, you understand that. If a group of Christians always meets at the same place, eventually that place takes on the name, where the church meets, or it becomes the church. So the First Baptist Church is at the corner of Fifth and Elm or whatever, and uh, the United Methodist Church is across town. Well, that's the building location. It can also refer to a denomination, you know, the Presbyterian Church, the United Methodist Church, the Southern Baptist Church. It could mean a whole bunch of churches under one banner. Could also be used to refer to a worship service. Went to church today, the preacher went long. That happens at other churches, I've understood. So anyway, I, I've heard that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna move on. But the idea is simply this, is that church can mean those things, but what do we mean by it? Well, today we wanna talk about what does the Bible say? And it doesn't talk just about a building or a denomination or even just a worship service, it talks about that grouping and how God uses that in our world to impact our world and also to grow us up at the same time. Pretty amazing. But here's another note that's important. In the Bible, church never refers to just one person. Never. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. When Paul and Barnabas were out sharing the gospel, starting churches, telling people about Christ, everywhere they went, they got groups of Christians together and organized them. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom, in whom they had put their trust. And finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun— The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work they'd now completed. So upon arriving back at Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything that God had done through them. And so Paul and Barnabas, everywhere they went, they told people about Christ. When people came to Christ, they organized them in groups, ecclesias, in churches, and appointed leaders over the churches. When they came back home, they gathered together with a group of Christians, the ecclesia that had sent them out, and that was the church. I'm going to all this length to remind us that church is always a group because in our culture today, we become, well, Americans are terribly individualistic anyway, but today because of cell phones and other things, I mean, we can watch a worship service from churches all over the world anytime we want. That's pretty easy to do. And we can say, well, I guess that's church. When really all I've done is watch a worship service and I don't have any relationships with people at all. I'm grateful there are people watching this message right now. So please don't get me wrong. I'm all for technology. But if that's all there is, I want to remind us there's if that's all you've ever experienced about church, I want to remind you there's so much more you need to know. Cuz the church is a group and God has a plan for us to reflect him and to bring him glory in our culture and also to grow us up like I said at the same time. That's pretty amazing. In fact, that brings us to point B, God has always desired to create a group of people whom he can call his own, love him and bring him glory. That's what was going on uh, when he appeared to Abraham in the Old Testament. God said to him, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Abram, his original name, meant father, but Abraham means the father of many, many nations. This is the everlasting covenant, I will always be your God. And the God of your descendants after you. I want the whole group to be my people. Hundreds of years later, it appeared to Moses, and when he told him this, he said, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, I am the Lord, and I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I'll redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my my own people, and I will be your God. I want a people. And then God led his people to the promised land. And what's so interesting is, is that if you do a study of the Old Testament geography, the promised land where God led his people was centrally located on a land bridge where all the kingdoms that would trade and interact with each other from Europe and Asia and Africa, well, they all had to come through Israel. In fact, in Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel and Ezekiel 5 is uh, giving a message to the people in Jerusalem and, and God is frustrated with them and there's going to be judgment upon them because he said, Jerusalem, I put you there in the middle of all the nations on earth. I strategically located you because I wanted you to be my people living out a relationship with me in front of the rest of the world so they could see that their idols are worthless And if they would just trust me, then they would know the real God, the creator God of the universe. That's why he put them there. But over and over again in the Old Testament, every time people would try to do that, they'd always fall short. They'd start out okay, and they'd fizzle, and they'd drift away. In the New Testament, what we talked about last week, why we celebrate Christ so much, is that Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And through a relationship with Christ, we can have the Holy Spirit now. And he empowers us to really be the people God has always wanted. People transformed by his spirit who can love each other and work together and demonstrate for the whole world what it's like to have an ongoing relationship with Jesus. And so that's why this is God's desire in the New Testament. In fact, three images in the New Testament are these. The church is God's people. We're God's people. Listen to 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. And so God is now calling us to be his people. I mean that's what's so interesting when you come to a church, you get involved in a church and and people can be a part of a church and they'll be here for a year or two and they'll go, you know, I've made the best friends I've ever had in my life. And 2 years ago, I would have walked right past all these people on the street. I had no connection to them. I'm a part of a people. I have an identity not only with Christ myself, but now I'm a part of God's people doing his work. And it's so important that we understand that the church always involves other people. I mean, from time to time, I'll hear people make statements like, well, you know, I love Jesus. I just don't like other Christians. So for me, I go for a walk in the woods. You know, that's my church. Well, I'm glad if you go for the walk, a walk in the woods and you feel close to God, that's great. But that's not church. Church is God's people. Church is also God's family. Listen to Ephesians 1, 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. We become a family. That's why in the church, it's not uncommon to hear people introduced as, this is Brother John. People, somebody introduced me as that the other day. This is Brother John Schmidt. I went, that's correct. <laughs> and it's not wrong to call somebody brother or sister. In fact, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach him to pray, he said, well, the first thing you need to do is if you're going to address God, address him as your father, our father where his children, that verse reminds us, adopted into his family. He chose us. This is what he wanted to do. And so now I can come be a part of a family, and that's wonderful because I don't have to earn my way in. He chose me. It's by grace. So no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, Jesus said he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. If that's good news, would you say Amen. And then by his grace, he chose to bring us together with a bunch of other people who've been saved by his grace. If that's good news, would you say amen? Amen. Yeah, it's a little less less enthusiastic on that one. Because see, when you have a family, I don't know if you've realized this, you don't get to vote on your relatives. Have you ever noticed that? You don't. And they didn't get to vote on you. And then you get married, well, you voted on your spouse, but you didn't vote on her relatives or his relatives, and they got thrown in for free. Well, it's the same way with church. God brings you to a place, and you get baptized, and all of a sudden, now you're a part of a Christian family. I mean, you can't baptize yourself. That's just called going swimming, okay, if you jump in the, wind, in the water. You have to be baptized by someone else. You do. And those are people, then, that can help you grow. And you can become a part of a spiritual Family. And there's repercussions to this. And this is why this is so important. If I'm part of a family and I don't get to choose my relatives, then I may end up being a part of a church with people who have very different ideas than I do on a whole lot of things. That's true. I might be here spiritually and they're here spiritually because they just became a Christian just the other day and I've been a Christian for 20 years. And how come they don't know all this? Well, nobody's taught them that yet. They could be of a different race. They could be of a different age. They could be from a different nationality entirely. Is this the way God wants it? Mm-hmm. And you'll see why in just a minute. But we become a people, we become a family, and we become Christ's body. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We're his hands serving the people he wants us to serve. We're his feet taking the message wherever he wants it to go. We're his mouthpieces explaining what's going on. We're his eyes seeing needs in our culture, in our city, around the world. We're his body, and he wouldn't give us a body unless he had something for us to do. So this is all important. And that's why we're taking the time to say devoted means 100% engaged to being Christ's people. To being his family, to being his body. Now, this gives us pause, and it should, because there are some do's and don'ts, if we're gonna do this correctly, for being devoted to Christ's church. If we're gonna be devoted to being God's people, his family, and his body, then first of all, we do need to love each other. Jesus said this the night before he was crucified, John 13. To his disciples, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you, and you you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. Well, of course it will. I mean, think about this. He throws us together in this spiritual family, brothers and sisters, different levels of maturity, different races, different backgrounds, different, all kinds of different, and he throws us together in one big group, and then the rest of the world sees how we work that out how we love each other. In fact, John, one of the disciples who was there that night, who'd recorded, who recorded John 13, wrote later in his life <clears throat> in 1 John 4, 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love the people we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? Talks cheap. We're telling people that Jesus came into the world, forgave us of our sins, gave us the Holy Spirit, is transforming us from the inside out. Prove it. And that's why God loves to bring us together in a church where we have to forgive each other and serve each other and help each other and restore each other and be patient with each other. I mean, coming to Christ means I begin a relationship with God But remember what Jesus said? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you can't separate the two. Because when I love you and you love me and we have to work through our disagreements, we have to work through misunderstandings, we have to spend all kinds of time praying for each other, restoring people who've been trapped in addictions, helping people reconcile in a marriage that's completely shot. When we do that, the rest of the world is watching. And when they see the Holy Spirit moving that way, they go, I want what you have. Because all I've got is I've got friends on social media that some of them, they're my friends. I don't even know what they look like. I just see their doctored up picture, their Photoshopped image. I don't have real friends like you. I want that. I want people in my life who will tell me the truth even when it hurts. I want people to come to my house when I'm sick and help take care of me. I want to be a part of a group of people that goes and helps poor people. I don't know how to do that on my own. I'm scared. It's church. It's Christ's body. It's his people. It's his family. And that's what we're devoted to. And you go, so John, God's master plan was to bring us all together in a box and shake it up, see what happened? Well, no, I mean, he gave some to be pastors and teachers and evangelists and leaders. So he helps us get organized. We're going to work through things. But y'all, this is why it's so important that we love each other. I mean, if I told you, I have four sisters biologically The family I grew up in, I have siblings. I have four sisters and one brother. And if I told you sometimes we fought, you wouldn't go, oh, I can't believe that. In fact, if I told you we never fought, you would go, wow, I can't believe that. Yeah, there's a free amen. Okay, good, Okay, great. But sometimes that happens in church. People are part of a church, and they say, well, I haven't been in church in 20 years. Somebody said something that hurt my feelings. I mean, can you imagine if we did that with our biological family? I haven't been to a family gathering for 20 years because somebody hurt my feelings, and it does happen sometimes. We go, well, that's sad. The world is dying to see, does God really transform people? The very best witness we have is our love for each other. So we do need to love each other. Secondly, we don't need to cause division. I appeal to you, 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I mean, never let it enter your head if there are fractions and factions and divisions in the church going, man, I mean, there's so many factions and divisions in the church today. I wish we could get back to the way it was in the Bible. Yeah, where there were factions and divisions in the church. This is human nature. That's why we have to love each other and forgive each other, and not allow divisions to happen. Divisions can happen because we're critical. Divisions can happen because we're just apathetic, and we don't do anything. We just let things fall apart. Divisions can happen for a whole host of reasons, some on purpose and some from just neglect. But certainly gossip and slander would fall in there. I mean, another image I didn't even put on here is that in the New Testament, multiple places, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. Well, this is why we have to be so careful what we say about ourselves or other churches, about our church. We have to be careful because the church is the bride of Christ and say, Jesus, I love you. I just don't love your bride. Well, I don't think that would go well if somebody told me, John, we want you to come over for dinner. Well, great, Debbie and I will be there. Oh, don't bring Debbie. We can't stand her. We think she's stupid. Well, that's gonna be a short conversation. In fact, I'm gonna have a conversation now when I get home because I use that illustration. I'm not coming to your house if you're gonna make fun of my bride. Jesus love you, hate your bride. She's stupid. That doesn't work. Do we need to come to Christ for a personal relationship with Him? Yes. Do we need to love others who come to a personal relationship with Him? Yes. Both and and that's what we're devoted to here. That building is going to allow us to expand. It's going to bring in more people. And some of them you're going to love, and some of them are going to love you. Some of them are going to be so different from you, you're going to scratch your head and go, I don't even know how to relate to them. And they'll feel the same about you. I hope that's okay with you. Because I want to see a lot of people get baptized who need Jesus. Hmm. We also need to do things together. I mean, when we have proximity, there's an opportunity for relationships to grow. Because we loved you so much, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, because we love you so much, delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And this is Church. Listen to Acts 2, when the church first got started. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. On top of that, they were selling things that they, they, and giving the money to the poor. They were doing good works all throughout the community. Man, these people were doing stuff together. This is church. It wasn't just showing up for a meeting three times a year, Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. This is doing life together. We're devoted to that. I mean, devoted to having meals together. Devoted to just dropping by and saying, how you doing? Devoted to connect groups in our house, in our own living rooms. Devoted to having fun. Devoted to having prayer. Devoted to getting together for worship. It all counts. That's what we're devoted to. Here's something we don't need to do. We don't need to neglect meeting together. Because of the pandemic, man, we had to shut everything down for months, and it's become real easy just to stay home. Again, I am so glad when people are watching us online, because some people are immune compromised. They can't get out in public anywhere right now. I'm glad if you're watching us online, praise God. But I don't want you to... But the minute you can do more than just watch something online... I encourage you to do more. Hebrews 10, 24, let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. The reason why, Revelation 2, 4, I have this complaint against you. This is Jesus speaking. You don't love me or each other as much as you did at first. You drifted. I mean, life's like a river. Life. I mean, decisions are still coming. Opportunities, problems, they're coming at us every day. And if I don't have Christian fellowship, to think I'm just going to be spiritually strong day after day, week after week, year after year, without any spiritual encouragement, without anybody praying with me, without anybody challenging me or holding me accountable, that I'm just going to keep growing just all by myself, that's ridiculous. Because there is a devil, and he would love to cull you, me, off to the side, get us off by ourselves. Where we drift far away, and all of a sudden now we're into feeling bad about ourselves, and our tongue has gotten loose, and our temper's gotten short, and we're back into all kinds of sinful habits that we thought were gone for good, and now it's all coming back at us. Backsliding. Well, what's the antidote? Church! Groups! The family of God, the people of God, the body of Christ helping each other, we're devoted to that. And finally, we do need to pray for our church and the worldwide church. I mean, center point here, we're one little expression of the church. There's lots of expressions all around. Paul and Barnabas did that. Everywhere they went, they started little groups. Still happens. Well, isn't it terrible there are so many churches? No, it's the way it's always going to be. But we also need to pray for churches worldwide. There are churches in India and churches in China. There are churches in Australia. Churches here. Good. Good. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So, one of the reasons we're doing all this again, reviewing all this again, is to remind ourselves that yes, we've been on a, we've had an initiative to help us put together the funding for a facility, but we've also, at the same time, are reminding all of us that the facility is just a place for us to meet. What goes on there is who we are, because we're the church. So, I have to ask myself am I devoted to Christ and his church? Christ was devoted to me first. He died on the cross for me before I did anything. But we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He was devoted first. And listen to what the scripture says. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Because he humbled himself more than anyone else. He's elevated more than anyone else. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. And it is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. The only question is, am I going to respond to that? Be devoted to one another in love. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up here. And can you put that last verse back up, please? Romans twelve ten. be devoted to one another in love. Could we read that out loud, please? Be devoted to one another in love. You and me. Am I going to do that? Am I going to allow God to use me as part of his body to serve, to speak, to go, to see things that I wouldn't see on my own? Am I willing to be a part of God's family with a good attitude about it, realizing that brothers and sisters are going to come into the life of the church and we're not always going to get along and we're going to have to forgive each other and serve each other and God's going to use that as a powerful example to the people all around me. There's nothing wrong with my church if I have a problem with somebody else in the church. That's normal. In fact, that's God's chosen method. Am I willing to say, I'm one of God's people? As imperfect as they are, I'm proud to identify with that because all of us are sinners saved by God's grace. In a minute, we're going to ask you to come pray for the church. Got some tables at the front of the room. As our worship team leads us, you can come pray. But the simple part of it is this. And each table, you'll find a little candle. You'll find a candle that's lit there. And you'll find next to it just some tapers, some little wooden sticks. If you'd light that, and then we'd ask you to use that little taper to light one of the candles that's on the table. And as you light it, we'd ask you to say a prayer for the church. What kind of prayer? God, would you use your church to be a light in a dark world? Would you help us love each other so people can see what love looks like? Would you help us forgive each other so people can see what forgiveness looks like? Would you show us how to reconcile our differences, because we live in the most divided time we can ever remember, and if we can't get along, how is anybody ever going to see it? Would you shine your light out through us in such power that people will be one to Christ? Would you shake us up so we're not apathetic or lazy? Would you give us good leadership and a joint vision so we can work together? God, would you let your light shine through your church? I want you to come and light a candle. The worship team is going to be worshiping for a while. And I just want you to pray. Light the candle and set it on the tables. A place to put the little dowel back after you're finished let me pray for us. Lord, I'm going to invite people to come and light a candle. And as they light that candle, I pray that it'll be a powerful, remind us all that you have caused us to be your lights. One of these tables up front covered with lights. Lord, you put your people in Israel right in the middle of all the empires of the world. And you put me right in the middle of my family. You put me right in the middle of my job, you, my workplace. You have put me right in the middle of my school, in the middle of our neighborhoods. Lord, you've strategically placed every one of us, and it's okay if we have to work through problems. That's what, people, that's what people want to see. I thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. I thank you you died on the cross for the sins of everybody in the sound of my voice. God, I want to be a real Christian that loves other Christians, even if I don't have anything in common with them. I'm asking you to show me how. I'm asking you to show us how we get along and how we serve together. And God, I'm asking you to bring thousands more people to this church and get us all organized in small groups. I'm asking for that, Father. Oh God, this world needs you. This world, we need you. And we want you to shine out through us. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.